everyone, welcome to the new episode of Genre Equality. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Aisa. And this is Double Digits. We hit, we hit 10, guys. Whoa! Ooh, 10 months of doing this. Oh, we didn't do a road to 10. <laughs> That's a, a bit short. It's a bit short. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, myself and Hadi do another podcast called Hard Hits Wrestling Podcast. And we're almost at 100 episodes. Uh, almost at 100 episodes. So that was our little like road to 100. 100. Road, uh, yeah. There's been a little... Hard hits wrote 200 hashtag. I guess we should promote it lah. Go, go, go yeah. over to our other podcast, yeah. <laughs> a mix club backslash hard, hard hits. And uh, this is a wrestling podcast that myself and Hardy do, kind of genre as well. Mm-hmm. Since you know, there's a lot of monsters and and villains and yeah, heroes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Superhero characters in yeah, wrestling. Yeah. But we, life, yeah. we've been doing it for 94 episodes now. Yeah, going strong. A year and a half actually. Uh, although I do realize that uh, genre equality. I, I like that genre equality has like this organic following. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We've done a lot to promote hard hits, but genre equality is just kind of there. And I mean, thanks to the usually about three hundred base mm. uh, listeners that we have nearly mm. every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's a thousand, sometimes it's six hundred. But for all the normal episodes, you know, I'm glad that the three hundred of you just like follow stick us, around. stick around, mm. uh, follow us on Mixcloud, get the updates and stuff. Mm. Uh, we we do our best here, lah. Uh, we will definitely like try to level up in in the coming months, but for now, you know, we'll do our best because we have uh, jobs. We're <laughs> <laughs> not getting paid for this. We're not getting paid for this. We have other work commitments. Yeah, but we we love talking genre. We love talking superheroes, sci-fi, that's horror, true, fantasy, true. and all of that. And that's what we'll be covering this month. Uh-huh. Um, but before we begin, I'm going to talk about the Scream Asia Film Festival. Um, Scream Asia Film Festival is Singapore's first ever horror festival curated by legendary Singaporean auteur Eric Koo mm. and South Korean film pro- programmer Jong Suk Thomas Nam. I'm sorry, I may have butchered your name. Not bad. Uh, so this is Singapore's first ever horror film festival, mm-hmm. and I've always been super jealous of you know America with like you know the fantastic film fest and all of that. Uh, and I'm glad that there's something like this in our region lah. And with huge names as well. Yeah. There'll be horror filmmaking classes by Train to Busan director Yuan Sangho. Oh. And uh, Indonesian director Joko Anwar. I, I actually reviewed uh, his latest film, Pengenabdi Satan, like um, maybe yeah. three or four months ago. Yeah. Uh, the, those are very, very good directors. And those are just a few highlights of the festival. Um, it runs from October 19th to October 28th. And will feature a total of 11 films and one short film. Including the highly anticipated J.J. Abrams produced Overlord. Mm. Uh, so if if you want, you can catch it earlier before the rest of us yep. uh, at Cafe at the Screamation Film Festival. If not, it opens in Singapore in November. Uh, there's also Lars von Troyer's The House That Jack Built and upcoming Singaporean film Zombie Pura, which is about a bunch of NS men fighting zombies. <laughs> um, the festival is being hosted and organized by Cathay, so head on over to their website to check out programming and booking details. I know I will, so I uh, hope to see you there. Uh, now we'll move on to our regularly scheduled program. A lot of great movies, yep. uh, a lot of great TV shows. Um, film-wise, I think this month we are gravitating more towards the more audacious indie, yeah. animation, art, art horror, animation kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and I think there is nothing more um, audacious. There's nothing more arty <laughs> than Mandy. Yeah. Um, so let's begin by talking about Mandy, uh, a movie that the three of us watched at the projector, yep. and you can you can also watch it at Shaw if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandy is just this balls out crazy acid trip of a movie. Like, um, it might or might not be Nicolas Cage's best movie. There's been a lot of debate about that, but it's certainly Nicol- the most, the most Nicolas, Nicolas Cage, Cage movie I've ever seen. Yeah, that's true. Uh, director Panos Cosmatos uh-huh. uh, has kind of like taken this 
chainsaw pun intended to 80s action cheese and yeah, kind of sculpted yeah, this art yeah. house heavy metal Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Um, all you need to know is that this is the most uncaged incarnation of Nicolas Cage <laughs> uh, fighting a demon biker gang and a freaky cult to avenge his wife's murder. Did you just say uncaged? Nicholas Cage. Cage I know Not bad Oh intentional Several puns I'm sorry Not bad, not bad. Uh, So what did you guys about uh, Think about the Super art house Indie uh, horror Mandy Wow I didn't fall asleep You did not fall asleep Yeah, yeah. So that's good Yeah It started out okay I mean it's quite short It wasn't too long It's two hours Yeah two hours So yeah. it's a perfect uh, Run time um, Nicholas Cage Was being Nicholas Cage You know the, there was a scene Where he was in the bathroom mm. And you know, scene Huh? And right? Just him in, in his yeah. underwear, all the blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Him with the vodka, just, just going nuts, and just going nuts. Yeah, you know, and you see like like quite a good range of emotions in that that small five minute scene. Mm. There's one th- another thing is about how this di- this uh, director, I guess, keeps the uh, keeps the scenes really long and mm. awkward. Yeah, you know I mean? also. Yeah, which I really enjoy. Like the colors don't need to say. The music was great. Mm. Uh, the, the those uh, those title sequences. Well, like chapter sequence, yeah, chapter chapter yeah. as if it's from a novel, a yeah, fantasy yeah, yeah. novel. I, I loved all that. I mean, because I guess with you know with Mandy being reading a book throughout the thing, yeah, correct. You know, it's like a yeah, whatever lah. It was awesome lah. What do you think, Isaac? Hmm. Uh, I mean, as a whole, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there were definitely a couple of moments when I felt that the scene chewing was a bit too much. Uh, but at the same time, it works, right? Yeah, like, it within did. within the actual telling uh, <coughs> itself, it yeah. It is so ridiculous um, that it becomes uh, that there's a certain point whereby you totally suspend belief, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. And the fact that you constantly see Nicolas Cage, um, and after that you just go along for the ride, and then that for me was basically the bathroom scene, right? Mm-hmm. So everything leading up to that for me was just kind of like a very long, if a little draggy kind of setup. Uh, for everything that's going beautifully shot, mm. um, great music. It's um, the the last ever score um, I guess composed by Johan Johansson yeah, before man. he passed away. And uh, something very out of the out of the uh, norm for Johan Johansson, I mm. think. Right, mm. you know, based upon his usual kind of like arrival and, mm, and mm, all mm. of that. It's more classical, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So I I really enjoyed that. Uh, especially I thought like a lot of key moments were very well shot um, mm. and. Uh, Cage's performance was prime. Prime, it's prime, prime Cage. Cage. Yeah, yeah. You know, it I, is prime two thousands Nicholas Cage. I feel like nineties prime Cage is like Con Air. Oh, yes, Con Air. Yeah. Uh, this is the crazy Nicholas Cage. I, I yeah, I feel like it. The movie is made and crafted around Nicholas Cage's internet persona. Yeah, or like yes. all the memes that have been made about him. Like this, this is for that reputation. Yeah, yeah. And they totally leaned into it. And I was a bit skeptical at first that it would work, right? Mm-hmm. Having read some of the reviews and all the responses online, for it was mixed, is it? Um, generally great reviews lah. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of people have like you know disclaimers. Um, a lot of the critics have more open minds and maybe are more are lean more towards the artistic side of filmmaking. Yeah. Okay. But they did they did say that uh, maybe casual uh, film goers might not uh, appreciate what they're trying to go for here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a caveat lah. There's yeah. a caveat. La. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So and it's a caveat from us as well. La. I think like the casual film goer who's expecting <laughs> something more traditional will no. probably not enjoy this. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, I mean. Uh, well, something that that is kind of grounded within the horror genre, uh, that is a lot of disturbing imagery for sure. Yeah. Right? But that is also contrasted with very beautiful imagery mm. that sometimes feels out of place. Yeah. You know, but that kind of like takes distracts you along the way. It felt like a it felt like a 
a road trip on acid, right? Pretty yeah, much. yeah. Uh, drop the entire. I mean, there was the whole thing when he snorted the drugs, remember? The cocaine. Yeah, that he randomly then, found. After yeah. he went crazy, lah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the story itself takes a backseat to the the acid trip inventory, yep. as you exactly. mentioned, la, and a kind of um fever dream approach. Yes. It's it, it immerses you into like Nicholas Cage's nightmarish fever dream. Yeah. yeah. It's uh it's stylized to the point of overindulgence. Mm. Um, but I think like every beautiful bloody batshit bonkers frame yeah. uh, kind of has a purpose to it and even if it doesn't it looks pretty yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean there, there is something to take out of that yeah. um, overall I think I'll rate this an 8 out of 10 with a caveat that uh, it is for people like me and not for others yeah. what about you guys uh, I'll give it an 8 cool. uh, it's one of my favourite Nicolas Cage performances uh, since Wicker Man <laughs> yo boy I mean, that's a train wreck of a movie. Uh. Yeah, it yeah. was a train wreck of but a movie. But this was like a movie that was made to be a train wreck. Uh. Which, and it fulfilled its purpose, right? Yeah, it fulfilled yeah, its purpose. I'm going to go with a, with a 7.5 mm. uh, because I do feel like as much as I enjoyed the movie, there were points whereby I was just like, okay, that's a bit much. Like, it took a bit too long to get to Yeah, the, it took the a bit too long. Movie. And I think that for me was, I'm nitpicking here. You yeah, know? yeah, uh, I but, get it. But that's basically why I'm scoring it a bit lower. Okay. But 7.5 still highly recommended. Yeah. Again, with the caveat mm. that it's not for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to see Prime Nicolas Cage, then, Go for it, man. then this is what you need to see. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about another, another independent genre film. This Which time it's called Upgrade. Uh, uh, yes. Coming to you from the writer-director of Saw and, Saw and Insidious, uh, Lee Le Weno. Um, yeah. Upgrade is kind of this absolutely violent, balls-out... The, the most absolutely violent, balls-out entertaining thing I've seen in 2018. <laughs> I think it's this retro sci-fi action thriller that just delights in gratuitous, grinding house gore yeah. and incredibly dark humour. Yep. I kind of relate it to like Paul Verhoeven's uh, Robocop mm. meet... Uh, like 1970s John Carpenter like uh, Attack on Precinct 13 meets Black Mirror mm, yeah. um, it's kind of this bloody revenge fantasy that is be great fun done right uh, resulting in a kick-ass uh, thrill right kind of destined for cult classic status I think uh, what do you guys think about Upgrade? Honestly this was balls out crazy yeah, yeah man. Uh, I like that, that it wasn't too long to get to the setup like it wasn't too long just 20 minutes yeah, it exactly. was actually very quick so yeah. that was good yeah. Like because you know, let's not like delve on the, the wife and the, the you know like all that like him like regretting his decisions and all. just like okay let's go put the thing in and then let's go kick kill people. Story wise, it's very similar to Mandy. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. a revenge flick lah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of just that, oh, you are right, like gratuitous. What, what gratuitous. But, but but cartoon like it's fun. Yes, like, it's it more fun. Yeah. Even though like you have like kids splitting open and yeah. you know that kind of thing, but it still was well, still not too. I could still it's still palatable la. Right. Yeah, um yeah. I like the world building to mm. an extent. I actually know? wanted more of the world building, but okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean like I was curious to, to know more yeah, la. Yeah. Um but you kind of but one thing that I have to say is that uh you shouldn't think too much about the plot. Yeah. Right? Because like you could tell right like what was going to happen in the end, right? They double swerved me. I could tell what was going to happen in the end, but then there was an additional twist. The one when yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. one I did catch that one. I when, did catch uh, that one. Yeah. Are we spoiling it? Uh, no lah. Let, let, let's let them find out for what it is. Okay, uh, yeah. So the first twist I got, mm. but when it was like the second one, I was like, oh, okay, okay. That that kind of that was that, that that was quite cool. I feel like audiences might figure out what the first twist is. Yes, but uh, it's not as predictable as you think it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It took me like. Three quarters of the movie lah before I got it. Mm. Like just before he uh he confronted the the that that yep. last villain. Yeah. Then I was like, oh shit, I know what's gonna happen. And then he did happen. Correct. Yeah, right. But yeah. overall I thought it was well made. Uh, the guy who plays Grey, 
I loved him lah. He's like really the discount Tom Hardy, right? Yeah, uh, Logan Marshall <laughs> Green is uncannily. He yeah, looks yeah. uncannily like uh, Tom. Tom and Hardy. I love him lah. Yeah. I, I I call him Tom Hardy lah. Tom Hardy, bastard cha. Um, I I I can't, yeah, I call him Tom Hardy lah. And and because okay lah, the essential premise is yeah. that um Tom Hardy is uh being controlled by something called STEM, STEM. which is artificial intelligence that's controlling his movements mm-hmm. and some some sort of foreign intelligence in his body lah. So in a way, this is the Venom movie I've always wanted. Oh my Star- god! Starring Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this, Isa? Uh, okay. Oh, when I when I first finished watching it, I was trying to put my finger on why it felt so familiar, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the closest comparison I could draw it reminded me of Ultraviolet. Do you remember Ultraviolet? Mm. Oh yeah. Yes, definitely. Right. So it kind of has like the same beats, kind of like the same kind of stuff. A bit, yeah. Kind of resonance with that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, like Ultraviolet wasn't great or anything, but I enjoyed it. And the same way that I enjoyed Upgrade. Mm. Um, I mean, like just balls to the wall, a lot of uh, gore, which is all great. And I think it's pretty well shot. It is. Yeah. Uh, acting leaves something to be desired. Uh, plot means something desired, and so mm. the script itself. Okay. But past a certain point, and I, I think for me that was about. Half an hour in, I'm just like I don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah it's, I just, just want to see. It's yeah, fun, yeah. You know, this entire thing. Can I just add one more thing? Sure. Um, I think that uh, the whole idea of losing control of your body mm. while you're still inside your head, yeah. is kind of scary. It's very scary. like that was more the point of the horror. It's, it's body horror also, right? And existential horror. Yeah. More of that than the the murder and the revenge. It's Correct. more that you cannot control what you're uh, doing. That's why yeah. I related it to Black Mirror, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mirror has had several episodes about that. That kind of thing, right? Yeah. 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 So I I thought that was quite that was put across quite well, yeah. yeah. I wish they played it up actually because there were a couple of points whereby like he he. He witnesses himself committing murder right? yeah. by Stan and he's trying to like get Stan to not do all that or he's protesting but that never actually like the consequences of that never actually come true uh, in the story okay. itself right you kind of move from from this one murder to the next one yeah one murder okay. to the next murder and you he never really like deals with that mm. you know even though the, the protesting happens and he's horrified and all of that which is a uh, Venom yeah Venom. Uh, <laughs> I like Venom. This is uh, done on a very minuscule budget, and yep. you yes. can kind of tell. But it makes up for it with some really inventive camera work. Correct. Some of the yes. action sequences, especially the hand-to-hand action, is just done by shifting levels and momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and perspective. I thought it was quite amazing and well executed, and it, it kind of has this thrust. Yeah. Like it makes you feel excited, even though it's just cameras moving up and down. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not shaky. Yeah, it's not shaky. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a very yeah. crisp yeah. kind of like yeah. movement. Yeah. Which I really like. Yeah. Cause so you still capture the action. Without having to sacrifice, you know. Yeah. It's not the Neeson kind of. Yeah, it's not Yeah, with the like 48, 48 jump cuts. Jump cuts. Like, yeah. That kind of. Yeah. yeah. So I really, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's cool. Um, I actually think this is, uh, I like this a little bit better than Mandy. So this is an 8.5 out of 10 for me. Okay. Yeah, just because Mandy, you know, like we were saying, yeah. took a bit too slow to get okay. the points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll give it the same score actually, 8. 8, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I'm, I'm giving it the same score. I'm still 7.5 for me. Okay. I do feel like, if they had nailed the acting a bit more, mm. right, I, uh, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more okay. as well. Yeah. That's okay. why he's Tom Hartley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was fine. <laughs> uh, next up, we'll be talking about, I think, the show of the month. Lah. Oh, is um, it? It's, it's Bojack Horseman. Oh, uh, now back for its fifth season. Um, I think by now, it's kind of beyond reproach that Bojack Horseman is Netflix's best show. Best. Um, but even among among its like four previously profound and like flawless seasons season five to me like, I feel like it's the best work that uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg has ever done mm-hmm. um, as smart and funny and unforgiving as his parody of Hollywood is mm-hmm. 
Um, this season's theme of accountability is the show at its most cutting mm. because it critiques itself just as much as it critiques the industry it functions in. Mm. And it's that willingness to call itself, call itself out. Um, make, sure, make sure that it never becomes the very thing it satirizes. Um, what do you guys think about uh, Bojack Horseman season 5? <laughs> wow, where do I, I think I the start? word is flawless. Uh. It's not even near flawless. Mm. I, I really feel this is a flawless season. It was quite perfect uh, to me. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the best episodes obviously I think all of us agree is episode 6 uh, yeah. Free Churro is a very radical episode um, not to spoil anything yeah. but it is a one man stage play disguised as a eulogy disguised yeah. as a stand up comedy routine yeah. um, for animation the instinct is to go as big as you can to do what live action cannot yeah. so the last thing animation should do is a one man stage play which is what makes it so radical and the fact that it worked and it worked so brilliantly uh, it's a testament to the writing. Yeah, the writing. Is, and Will Arnett's uncanny, like, Bojackness. La. I mean, yeah. I know that Will Arnett and Bojack kind of sound very similar. Yeah. But, like, you could really tell the pain in the voice, yeah. the sadness, the, the deflection that he's trying to get. It's and a hell of a showcase. It's, it's really great. La. And that episode just blew my mind. Because yeah. he did watch it first and then he said, you have to watch episode six. six. Yeah. And I was hyping it up. I was thinking, oh no, I hope I'm not disappointed by this. Mm. And when I really watched it, I was like, holy shit, it really lived up to that hype. I mean, um, speaking yeah, of Will, I will actually talk about him a bit later okay. in uh, <laughs> Teen Titans Go To Movies. But for now, let's talk about it. What do you yeah. think about it, Isa? Episode 6 Oh, I mean, like, episode 6 is nice. Uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen Bojack, Jack yet, right? Episode 6 is the equivalent of last season's... Uh, Fish Out Water, right? Is, is hey, no, that's two seasons ago. Two seasons. Two seasons it's ago. Um, the Alzheimer's... Uh, ah, the mother episode. The mother episode. Yeah, yeah. The mother episode. And of course, with, with the previous season before that, your underwater episode as well, mm, right? Yeah. So, it's amazing that BoJack has consistently delivered great seasons. Not just great episodes, but great, great seasons. seasons yeah. Especially over the last three uh, that I've enjoyed greatly. Mm. With standout episodes that really, really challenge both the medium and the way that they're pushing storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and that, for me... It, it makes it easily one of the best animated stuff that I've seen this year. Or yeah. one of the best shows this year, period. In general, yeah. Yeah, in general. Uh, I do feel... Um, at no point in time did I feel like uh, anything was kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. I do feel like a lot of the of our support characters and their side stories was very, very important. I do like Princess Caroline's story uh, again. Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, Definitely. This year. Uh, uh, and Diane, Diane, actually, like her spotlight episode in Vietnam... Um, yeah, was quite was quite very very good. That uh, travel vlog episode. Correct. Yeah. Uh, another instance of Bojack kind of uh, using a different framing device for each episode. Yeah. Mm. It, one episode was framed around um, two essentially psychiatrists. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Episode. Having conversations with one another <laughs> and trying to disguise their identity. So, like more than any other season, this particular season has a lot of structural inventiveness in every episode. Yeah. And that that I think is missing from television now. Uh. Nobody does episodes anymore. Mm. I'm fucking like sh- sick and tired of this bullshit Long about fun. like. Oh, our, our show is a novel. Our show is the 13-hour movie. Your show is the TV show. It's just lazy to do that because you don't know how to do a TV show. I, and and <laughs> weirdly enough, right, this entire season fucking dives into that too. Yeah, it does. It has that. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my god, like, yeah, it does. Mo- most incisively, right, it targets like this artistically bankrupt showrunners with like prestige drama pretensions. <laughs> like, and the flawed and morally complex anti-heroes that they try to... And all to, the tropes. And yeah, and they try to indulge in... <laughs> And like the unintended normalization of their vile behavior, or even glorification of yeah. it, from audiences who just don't understand the meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, Philbert is essentially a season-long mockery of true detective Nick Pozzolato specifically, I feel. Yeah. Nick Pozzolato specifically. Damn, fast. Uh, they mistake like the ambiguity and stylistic flourish 
for profoundity and ambition. Yeah. When you actually know, it means nothing. Yeah, they make fun of like overlong episodes, purposely vague but stylish sequences. The Over pretend- budgeting. Yeah, the pretentiousness of thinking that a show is a novel which it is not. They even mock like poorly lit shots confusing metaphorical darkness for actual darkness, <laughs> which is something that Ozark does nearly every time. Yeah. You watch Ozark, the fucking grey, I can't even see who's acting, you know, yeah, most of the point. Uh, yeah, I guarantee there was a specific Ozark dick. La. There is this new wave of showrunners, right? They want to mimic the tone and aesthetic of The Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, without fully understanding the process, meaning, craft, and skill of those shows. Yes. And the reason this is happening, right, is because every fucking website, from Facebook Watch to Hulu to Amazon to whatever, to uh, whattimeisitnow.com, yeah. wants to do original programming. Yeah. And that's how all these, like, uh, four showrunners who think that they can do what Vince Gilligan does with Breaking Bad, they think they can do what David Chase does to The Sopranos, they can't. They but they are trying to mimic it, and it's not that, lah. And this season is fucking uncompromising by attacking that model, especially because it's on Netflix. Yeah. Which is one of those well, streaming the, the, sites. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hilarious, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but I, I think also beyond like just attacking the showrunners, it also explores like the cycle of abuse and mm. empty public forgiveness and redemption in uh, in Hollywood or Hollywood. Mm. Uh, the complexity of the media machine that tries on it, uh, the fallibility of disingenuous feminism, yeah. Yeah. perpetrated by both men and, and women, yeah. uh, and how kind of like take down culture and think pieces and exposés can be both necessary but also create like collateral victims mm. and contribute to the lack of progress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like for example, when an executive who is literally a sex robot, by the way, that thought built, uh, <laughs> that was fucking funny. is held accountable for sexual harassment, right? It's a yeah. moral victory, right? But it's a fairic one because the women end up losing their jobs when the company shuts down, yep. you know? So Indian women are still the victims. Um, if Bojack is to be held accountable for his abuse, it's his female co-star's career that's going to be derailed. It's, like, it's a minefield to navigate around. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that that kind of social commentary leaks into Bojack throughout the entire season. For sure, it's set you know in Hollywood I mean? about Hollywood. And especially at this time now, it's hard to avoid. Like, right? And they just lean into it. Yeah. yeah. Like, they don't give a fuck, man. And I love it. Like. I, I mean, the whole idea of having a sex robot be the CEO of a company, like, that's just... <laughs> But, I mean, number one, right? Even if you don't get the message, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny, <laughs> la, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's just flat out funny. La. Uh, what about you guys? Uh? What else do you like? God damn it. Oh, man. Um, I do feel like Todd took a bit of a backseat this, this season. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the focus, again... Um, he was just called comedy relief la, this season. Yeah, for I sure. mean, uh, which, which he uh, they kind of defaulted to in season one again. But he did yeah. get a much bigger role two seasons ago. So uh, and season three, season four, I spot his asexuality and everything. Right. Like, this kind of continued it. La. Kind of. Yeah, a, a little. And gave know, him a bit of power. Like la. a dating mm. app for asexuals is a brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I, I feel like at this point in time, Bojack yeah. has reached a point where they, they are... They're playing the meta game mm. right now, right? And I think the... Was it actually the first episode with the two psychologists? The two no, that's like middle uh, of the season. It was after Free Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like this entire idea of like trying to mask the characters you're talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, it really got me when they're just like, yeah, so uh, they described Princess Caroline as a burning ball of yearning. Yeah. Or something oh, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. And I, at that point, I was just like, okay, you know what? Like these guys are playing a completely different game from all the all other the showrunners mm-hmm. and writers right now. Or how they are essentially, they told a story about Mel Gibson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Choking women and stuff. And the fact that Bojack Horseman like got so much applause by just saying, don't choke don't women. Don't choke women. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of it, he choked I mean, spoiler alert, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it has to do with him choking someone. 
uh, stuff like that la. Um, and the sex robot is obviously like Harvey Weinstein yeah <laughs> which is hilarious or uh, the Fox News guy la. Fox News guy yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there are too many too many to point too many out, to name. yeah yeah. Sure. Um, yeah I mean like that we, I think we could go on and on about Bojack but mm. really it 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 is a show that is reaching uh, its I don't know its peak I mean, I say I that. Think. I say that every year. Every year, I exactly. actually get blown away, away. Yeah. right? Uh, but so far, best season of BoJack for me, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Futuro, I never think. I mean, like in comparison with the dementia episode last mm. season and what well, underwater episode, like all those have a flourish that um, was obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of taken by the premise. You're kind of taken by by the visuals and all yeah. of that. But Futuro, to me. Uh, the episode still haunts me right mm-hmm. in a way that when it was done I was just like fuck what the hell was that yeah what did I just watch but spoiler alert uh, I, great punchline yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. great punchline yeah. <laughs> great punchline yeah. uh, Bojack is always so painful um, but yeah. I think it's careful not to lead into depression porn yeah. Yeah. Uh, so although Bojack is however painful focus uh, the show kind of flashes out it's cast so richly mm-hmm. uh, that everybody kind of has an arc maybe uh, ex- with the exception of Todd this season because yeah. I think Princess Carolyn and Diane had very very good arcs yeah, this season as well arcs. and I think Diane and Bojack were very intertwined but, yeah. Yeah. and there was a wealth of like past continuity and like unforgotten indiscretions especially the New Mexico thing yes. they kind of they this, coming in. Yeah, they plunged everyone into like this morally alienating Territory, mm. but it doesn't ever lose sight of the of their humanity and yeah. empathy and ones, you know. Yeah. Because you know, um, Bojack is very clear in that there are a lot of bad shit happening, like, but mm-hmm. nothing so black and white. They are yeah. still people. You have to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And that's what I kind of like because sometimes you you as a as as right uh, as a series you want to make your character super unlikable, yeah. super hateful, but then it loses that kind of. Uh, Link lah yeah. to 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 normal people la. Yeah, and it's it's strange to say something about Bojack being a horse, right? Yeah. But his humanity is still very much intact, Correct. and you still sympathize with him even though he's an asshole. Yeah, like he's a total asshole, like narcissist, the most narcissistic character on TV right now, right? But you still have some sort of sympathy towards him lah. Yeah, and you can't help but feel bad lah. I mean, it can work like the hateability and the narcissism, and I would argue that Bojack isn't the most uh narcissistic character on television just because a show called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia exists. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but that's just a pure that, comedy. That's a pure comedy, Like, just yeah. for the laughs, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're not trying to do anything incisive, like, Correct. or at least not in the way that Bojack is, like. Yeah. Um, and Bojack just still, I mean, we're talking about a lot of themes, a lot yeah. of heavy stuff, but mm. Bojack just still remains a very, very funny show. Yes. It does. They are the jokes on the surface, and then there are the treasure trove of side gags where you have I pause every second to like see what's in the background. Yeah. And in the very first episode, in the very first scene, the first yeah. time I paused, there was a shit that was standing in a vendor, and the shit just read, "Stop pausing and just watch the show." <laughs> <laughs> there was like even the first time I saw you. The show, there was, that was so for you. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." But then I, I, I still kept watching it. Um, how would you um, rate this entire season overall? 10 out of 10 this is a perfect season right? there's no flaw I give it a 10 out of 10 as well yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I can't contest that yeah. Yeah. oh god yeah so Bojack the most highly rated show I think maybe outside of Counterpart and the Terror that we've given this, mm. this season so yeah, it's that, a perfect score 100% go watch it like, it's a 10 out of 10 I really cannot think of something bad like yeah. cannot think of something that is nitpicking even no I, I, could, I couldn't yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. it's okay lah good lah uh, um, highest recommend uh. Highest recommend At least for this episode for this and, and I mean The only other things This could, season uh. The only other things I could think of was Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Uh, counterpart and the Terror Was the only other things That blew us away like this mm. um, And Now I'm gonna Kind of dive into the pool list Which is a weird Section that I usually leave 
towards the end. Yeah. Because but you know it's a reading recommendation thing. Yeah. But uh, for this pull list, I'm going to do it after Bojack Horseman because this particular comic book, Coyote Dog Go, is about. written and drawn by uh, Bojack Horseman's uh, art director, Lisa Hannawalk. Oh. So like all the wonderful art, character design and side gags of Bojack Horseman is from Lisa Hanwalk, uh, so she's kind of behind that. Okay. And since the success of the series, Lisa has begun to jump into her own creator-owned uh, work. Uh, she has an upcoming series called Tuka and Bertie coming up next year. It's also an animated show about animals. It stars Ali Wong uh, oh, shit. from Hard Not Wife and nice. uh, that's Tuka and Bertie is played by Tiffany Haddish so I know it's going to be like, funny shit. as fuck. Uh. Okay. Uh, th- but that's next year. Um, before then, she also recently released a comic book, Karaoke Dog Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of inspired by old western movies like The Searchers or Sergio Leone stuff. Um, and the book follows a piffy contemporary protagonist, Coyote Doggo, who wears like crop tops and spouts filthy mouth one-liners against a bleak desert backdrop of like violets and yellows with bandits in pursuits and her horse red as a companion. So everyone in this rugged world must catch and skin their own food, mm. uh, an activity that Hannah doesn't shy away from illustrating by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also with the fact that everyone is an animal, she is an animal who rides a horse, and the horse is a slave to her, but she, they're friends. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, like, it's, it's a bit weird. Uh, one of the Western tropes that Hannah has a unique twist on is the romanticized relationship between the rider and the horse, like, which kind of starts out as cute, but it gets really dark and existentialist by the end. So um, what starts out as like, this childish tale of whimsy gradually shifts the stone and starts getting more adult with uh, each uh, page. Like, and it's, it's gorgeously watercolored, uh, wonderfully written. Um, Lisa Hanau is, is definitely one of the key components of Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Uh, I'll urge you to read Karate Dog Girl as an 8 out of 10 for me. Excellent. And uh, next year when her show Tuka and Bertie comes out, we'll definitely uh, review that as well. Definitely. Sweet. Uh, I do want to read this now. I yeah, sounds yeah. interesting. Uh, we are keeping on Netflix right now, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. be- besides Bojack Horseman, another big Netflix show that came out this month uh, was Maniac. Yes. Uh, Maniac is the new show by Carrie Joji Fukunaga and a writer, Patrick Somerville, who you may know from The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that it's um, audacious and addictive, and one of the most inventive pieces of television in 2018, for better or worse. Yep. We'll, we'll delve into yep. both sides uh, later on. Okay. Um, the premise-wise, it's about an experimental drug trial that creates vivid fantasies, allowing its subjects to work through mental illness and emotional hang-ups. Yeah. Uh, Maniac is one of the shows that continually blurs the line between reality and mm-hmm. fantasy. Uh, so... This is kind of a visual feast that runs uh, that runs through a gamut of styles and genres, you know, kind okay. of ranging from Coen Brothers' Crime Capers <laughs> to Tolkien Fantasy mm. to an alien invasion uh, towards the end, and, mo- and many more like, as it skips from dream to dream. Um, for something this visually engrossing and elaborate, did you feel that its substance matched up with its style? Mm, wow, that kind of stuff. I mean, I think I do feel like some of the stuff that they explored were more were better executed than others. Mm. Uh, the Tolkien fantasy, I I didn't like. I kind of lost it there, especially when you're diving into the entire thing. Mm. I, um, given the fact that it was supposed to be this idea of um, sorry, what's Emma Stone's character again? Emma Stone's character, I forgot. So. Yes, yeah, uh, I know. yeah. So her relationship with the sister, right? Yeah. I do feel because they had already established that with her prior use of um, A, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and just, like, you've already seen, like, the, the rawness of the actual incident itself. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the scenes that had to do with her sister didn't quite come across as, uh, mm-hmm. 
as uh, as intended la. as intended yeah. yeah you know and it just kind of like skirted the entire uh, I feel like the style muted what they were trying to say mm. you know um, but still like um, Jonah Hill as a as a drug empire heir, yeah. you know, and all of that, like that worked a lot better for me, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so it was really just kind of like that kind of period uh, when they started going into the Tolkien fantasy mm. and maybe a bit of the alien invasion part that it, the pace kind of dropped off, mm. right? And I found myself getting distracted. But on the whole, mm. uh, its inventiveness and the style has been great. And I love the fact that uh, the premise of the story is what allows them to kind of like dive into that. Uh, but my favorite is still this kind of like uh, dystopian utopian the the base the base style right mm. or the base storyline with this whole retro futuristic look and all of that yeah, I love it feels like it's nineteen seventy and twenty seventy at the same time exactly I mean, I if you look at the technology the dot matrix printers the yeah. floppy disks the CRT computers and all the hardware the bygone aesthetic but the capabilities of that technology obviously far exceeds what we can do today. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really love that. Cool. I really, really love that. I really love the look. I really love that that whole feel of it, right? Mm. Um, and of course, I mean, I'm, I'm sure later on we're going to have draw a lot of comparisons to uh, Legion. To Legion. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, just, in terms of tech and style, right? And the reality blurring elements and yes. the illness, it is pretty much. I feel Legion with better character development. <laughs> much better. Well, well, not better character development. Legion with any character development. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Legion got zero, bro. Yeah, yeah. At least yeah. this one got a bit, la. Yeah. Uh, I think we're talking about specifically Legion season two. Yeah, season yeah. two. Right. Uh, so definitely, uh, I mean, the I, I can see why it's so easy to draw that kind of like parallels, right, between the two shows. Mm. Uh, but I definitely, definitely enjoyed Maniac much, much more than the I Legion enjoyed season two. two. For sure. For sure. Uh, I do feel like Emma Stone. Uh, really, really worked it this time around with her character. She, she is the show. She is the show. Is Completely the show, yeah. and utterly, right? Um, Jonah... In a way that Jonah couldn't inhabit some characters like the the gangster or, yeah. or other things. Um, Emma Stone, I mean, I, because she's a superior actress, like, yeah, just like sure. immerse herself in every in every genre exercise. Yeah, and it was it was it was beautiful to watch, right? And it was it was it's kind of a masterclass for something that required so much kind of versatility, right, mm. within a single show. Correct. Um, other things, I mean, like um, by and by, I think on the whole, it definitely felt complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm nitpicking, you know, for for what is largely a very very enjoyable and very very good show mm-hmm. um, that was very successful in what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's reality, at least world building, like in terms of its real world, not mm-hmm. just the not just the fantasies. Yeah. Um, it's such a fascinating alternate reality with like uh, you know applications like AdBuddy, oh, yes. which is a service where if you were to buy something without money, you're followed around by a person with a briefcase full of ads yes. that they read aloud to you for as long as it takes to cover your subway, your rent, or food or whatever. Or instead of Facebook, there's friend proxy yeah. where you hire someone to play the role of a friend that you can't see in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all very interesting. La. And then when you get to the drop trial itself, you jump from fantasy to fantasy. So it gets really tonally, conceptually and artistically creative mm-hmm. uh, appreciate the ambition although sometimes it doesn't work uh, sometimes it does yes exactly yeah, um, yeah. Emma Stone and Jonah Hill who were super bad co-stars by the way so I think this is like a bit oh, of a reunion for them that's true uh, <laughs> I actually right would like to imagine that super bad was one of the dream sequences which they should have done you know they really should have done that uh. oh yeah they, yeah okay okay 
Yeah, uh, but like, I mean, overall, I like the the stylistic ambition of it. Like, I feel like this is 2001 meets Inception. And I already mentioned this is kind of like legion with actual character development mm, and like yes. emotional through lines. Yes, yes, that's very, very important. Uh, and since it's this this is written by the leftovers, uh, Patrick Somerville, and also stars Justin Theroux, actually, mm-hmm. who is actually very, very good in his small little role. Yes. Uh, the most obvious inspiration to me like, is the leftovers international assassin episode. So, for those of you who don't know what The Leftovers International Assassin is, I'm going to spoil it a bit for you. <laughs> spoil it. Um, International Assassin was an episode of The Leftovers where Justin Theroux's character is haunted by the ghost of a cult leader that he murdered in season 1. Oh. In order to get rid of her, he kills himself in a ritual and wakes up in the afterlife. Or maybe it's a hallucinated reality, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Could be a coma, could be the afterlife. Where he is reborn as an international assassin. Uh-huh. So amidst like this very heavy drama about grief and the rapture, you suddenly have this Jason Bond-esque episode with action and gunfights. And the cult leader is rep- represented as the president of the United States that he has to assassinate. And okay. that's the entire episode. Lah. So he ha- just has to go on the spy mission to kill the president <laughs> to exercise the ghost. Wow. Uh, so, but he has a limited time before he dies permanently, so there's the ticking clock, so it's a bit like 24 also. Yeah. Um, so many it feels like Patrick Somerville and Justin Theroux just going like, let's make International Assassin with every episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, in terms of like thematics, yeah, like, we already kind of addressed mm, some of yeah. it, but I think like the most potent one, or the one that they kept going back to was Don Quixote, right? Yes, yeah. Um, for all obvious reasons, uh, Don Quixote deals with the glory of fantasy, mm. the nature of reality as well, and the term tilting at windmills was originated yeah. from Don Quixote, like, which is the, a- um, the act of attacking imaginary enemies, yeah. which is pretty much the climax of the show. Yeah. Oh, I mean that one line like when is this donkey gonna die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. so like like I I had to pause there. I'm just like damn because it was it was a throwaway line. Mm. Um, to be fair, but given like the entire thrust of the the series itself and the way the moment in which they timed the throwaway line like that mm-hmm. really really took me. I I thought it was very very smart. Yeah. Um. In the end, it may be more style than substance, but goddamn, does the style compensate for the substance? It does, it does. Um, and one last thing I'd like to mention is that it makes full use of kind of streaming TV's freedom with its running time. Some, some episodes are 50 plus minutes, yep. some episodes are 20 plus minutes. Yep. Each episode is as long as the story needed it to be, so it didn't feel too long or too mm, brief. Mm. Okay. Um, all this that considered, uh, it's a 7.5 out of 10 for me. I greatly enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a 7 I'm going to highly recommend it uh, it's, I think it's a bit lower for Hitze because I I'm reaching a point whereby if I start getting distracted while watching a series especially something on Netflix where I binge right, right yeah, yeah that, that that is an indication to me that something's not right so okay. if I have to stop it's like I got distracted I need to go back that annoys me okay. you know and there were a couple of moments here uh, it's not as bad as some of the other things that we've been watching this year uh, oh, but, Netflix <coughs> uh, yeah yeah, pretty much yeah. all of it. Uh, that's the true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's just slightly slow scoring hits, but still strongly recommended. Uh, if you enjoyed the art style of of what Legion has been trying to do over the last two seasons, mm-hmm. and you want something totally different and not overreaching, I think this uh, Maniac is a definite checkout. I feel like Legion season one is still the bar for me. Mm. Maniac is slightly below that, and yep. Legion season two is like way off. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I lost the plot. Uh. Uh, Yes, because nope. there's no plot. No plot. There's no plot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was no plot. 
next up will be uh, it will just be me and Isa again talking about an anime called Mirai of the Future. Well, I was there. Uh, Hadi fell asleep during our screening. Yeah, a screening that I used one of my vouchers for, by the way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I was awake for three quarters. <laughs> awake for three quarters of it, right? Yeah. right. Uh, it was worse when he, uh, Hadi watched Blade Runner twenty forty. Oh man, that was like forty five minutes. I was asleep. I know he was snoring. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, you fell asleep like what ten minutes in? No, no, like uh, a good forty minutes in when they they met uh, Harrison Ford. Mm. And then I fell asleep then, and I woke up and Harrison Ford was captured. I was like, huh? Yeah. What happened in between? Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, anyways, to me, right. This is Mirai uh, or, or Mirai or T-shirt As it's built in some countries yeah. Um, yeah It's directed by Famed anime director um, Wolf, Of Wolf Children yes. And the girl who Leapt through time mm-hmm. uh, Mamoru Hosada mm-hmm. um, It's kind of this Sweet and enchanting Child's eye view Of uh, of the world Mirai feels like The director's Most personal work To date yeah. uh, Combining um, Escalating flights Of fancy With emotionally Honest And richly drawn uh, Figuratively And literally uh, Family dynamics uh. yeah. um, The thrust of the story is Foyol Kun's petulant jealousy of uh, his, his newborn baby sister. Baby sister. Yes. And while that portrayal can be cute and sometimes romanticized, it's also often aggravatingly real, yeah. which I like. Hosada's <laughs> um, gentle touch captures the wonder of um, pain and childhood beautifully, in, in my opinion. Mm. Um, it is a bit slow for me, but uh, what, what do you think about it, Aisa? Oh, I mean, I did struggle with the initial maybe 30 minutes or so. I, I felt it was a bit too slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, that's also part of his style, right? Like, yeah. people who live through time, exactly the same thing. Yeah. Children, exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. The first half an hour is slow to the point of it being painful. Mm. But his attention to detail kind of helps alleviate that. Gorgeous animation. Right? Yeah, amazing animation. Amazing kind of like direction, right? And mm. he's always putting something in front of you for you to kind of puzzle over or kind mm. of figure out or even just like stare at uh, for the time that it's there. Uh, but kind of when when Kun's uh, uh, imagination when his imagination takes over right and the yeah. the flight of fancy quite literally begin in earnest mm. uh, that's the point in time whereby that the 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 movie really start to take me mm. you know uh, and with all the I'm I'm actually still trying to figure out um, thematically why some of his fancies were chosen yeah. like why underwater you know why 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 the fishes and all of that and you have of course the recurring uh, character of um, Mirai yeah. right the older Mirai coming back to kind of like guide him along and all of that um, I thought that was very, very inventive I thought that uh, the adventures that they go on were very well captured in that kind of like childlike wonder that anything can be an adventure mm. you know and I, I love those things about it um, and at the end of course like with this entire literal visualization of a family tree right I thought it was brilliant because mm. up till that point I hadn't I had not expected that you know to, I all expected to see that yeah. uh, it was kind of like a, a byline that ran in the background for the entirety of the yeah. thing mm. but when it comes in focus wow that was quite mind blowing Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. Everything. Everything that you said. Like, I mean, I echo. It got me. I. I really enjoyed the emotional honesty of like mm. uh, kept depicting um a children's tantrum, children's yeah. emotions, even parental emotions as well. Mm. Uh, and how sometimes you know the father is too busy, the mother is too busy. You know, life happens, lah. Yeah. Um. In the end, I think this is a seven out of ten for me. Enjoyed it. Uh. Not super over the moon with it, but it's a soft recommend. Mm, yeah. Uh. It was. Yeah. I'll give it a seven out of ten as well. Uh. Just because I enjoy it and it is gorgeous. It yeah, really it's is. so uh, beautiful. I don't think it's his strongest work. No, For me, Girl Who Left Through Time is the most iconic my favorite. I cried on a plane when I was watching The Girl Who Left Through Time. Mm, yeah, uh, uh, that definitely okay. was, is a good... I'm going to recommend also. 
Okay. Even though I was asleep, I think it's a seven for me, lah. Nice. But that's because of the. I, I mean, I caught the really great visuals, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, uh, the, like the train station. Mm, yeah. That was great. The underwater scene was great. Yeah. Um, I like the the, the 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 architecture of the house. Mm. Yes. The I levels, mean, you know, oh. of the playroom. Yeah, your dad's architect, so yeah, yeah it had to be beautiful. Uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, even though I fell asleep. I saw some merit in it lah. Mm. Yeah. Self recommend, self recommend. De- okay. de- definitely a self recommend. Yeah. Uh, so go catch it if you can. If you can, yeah. It's Is it uh, still out? Yes, it's still out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can watch it in Shaw, I believe. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about Teen Titans Go to the movies. Uh, this I was awake. Uh, it's spun off from the cartoon series yeah. Teen Titans Go. Obviously, it's uh, aimed at preteen kids, mm-hmm. but amidst kind of the cheery goofiness and this. Very very loud humor. Yeah, yeah. Like very loud. There's an abundance of delightfully specific meta comedy for adult geek hardcores like yeah. us. There are jabs at like Marvel and most yeah. hilariously their own company DC. Yeah. Uh, there's no movie out there that is as far away from Deadpool as Teen Titans Go to the Movies, but more similar to Deadpool. Yeah. Than Teen Titans Go to the yeah. Movies, just because of its relentless deconstruction of superhero movie tropes. Correct. Um, it's bright and infectiously silly. Um, the movie isn't below butt jokes or being the butt of its own joke. Mm-hmm. So that's what I liked about Teen Titans Go to the movies. How about you guys? Uh, this is definitely gonna be not. I mean, there was there was no doubt when we saw the trailer. Already, we were excited. Funny, man, the the death jokes. The death jokes stuff. The death stuff. <laughs> and uh, I think it delivered on what it was meant to be, lah. You know, yeah, for sure. you expected it to be this sort of movie, and it it delivered on all the exactly. Thing, I liked how uh how the Teen Titans. I mean, the, okay, the animated series has gotten a lot of flack because yeah. of the fact that, you know, it's not the real Teen Titans and all that crap. But, it's, it's a but then show. again, yeah, it's not meant for you. Yeah. You know? So this movie was a surprise because I never thought I would actually like it. Yeah. And, yeah, but after the trailer and it lived up to the trailer, uh, I like the, the character development of Robin. Yeah. You know, and his, like, insecurities and all that coming out. Yeah. Uh, so all these little things that you don't expect to happen. Right, you just expect like fat jokes and and stupid hijinks, uh, you know. I wish yeah. they are, yeah. yeah. But also like this sweet character moments throughout the film. Yeah, you know, Robin's heroism coming up at the end, mm. uh, Deathstroke being, uh, you know, being a really powerful villain, like that. Oh, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Deathstroke is actually a, a famous Teen Titans villain specifically. Yes, uh, the Judas contract was yes. one, one of the best stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And so in the end. Uh, it was uh, well executed. Uh, good voice uh, acting from. Well, Robin. I know once again who plays Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he got he got all the beats of Deathstroke down, mm. Like if you you know he he also did Lego Batman, right? Bonus Le- also Lego Batman. <laughs> uh, and by the way, um, another Nicholas Cage shout out because he plays Superman here. Oh, oh and, yeah, and he just does. Just for a moment, yeah. actually quite good. Yeah. <laughs> and that was enough, la. So uh, overall, I love the cameos. I love the 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 meta commentary throughout, especially all the. Making fun of uh, superhero tropes, which I thought was more on point than they did too. Yes, agreed. Yeah. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I I like it. I loved it. What about you guys? Uh, I think the biggest indication for me. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I did. St- I did watch a lot of the series when it first started. Uh, but then I kind of like oh, okay, you know, that start reusing. So this this kind of reinvigorated it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the entire idea and the bit- biggest indication of how well made this movie was was the fact that we were in a cinema with a ton of kids. We yeah. were and both the kids and the adults we're laughing, were laughing, we're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe they, they might not have gotten the deep cut jokes like we did, like, But yeah. they, overall, they enjoyed it. Yeah, they enjoyed it. I mean, like down there we're like these hardcore geeks right? and we're we like oh my god they, they actually went there Martha <laughs> yeah <laughs> what'd you say 
can't draw legs. <laughs> Marvel is so it's so I mean it takes like what was how long Superman be around? Seventy five years? Yeah. So, oh and Batman and stuff. Yeah. yeah it, it takes like seventy five years to build a legacy and one Marvel to like just tear it down. <laughs> Amazing! It is so amazing. And yeah, the Kandrolix. And the Kandrolix. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh my god! Like, it was such great uh, t- timing, timing, mm. you know. Uh, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I will say that it's not going to be for everyone, right? Yeah. Like some people prefer uh, more serious, more movies. serious stuff, and it's obviously meant for kids. But for something meant for kids, there was something for the adults as well, and there was something for the geeks as well. Correct. And I think uh, it was very successful in terms of what uh, Teen Titans Go movie yeah. was supposed to be. Not Teen Titans movie, a Teen Titans Go, Go movie. Uh, yeah. How would you guys read it? I for me, it's a six point five out of ten. What? So it's a it's a recommend. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it's positive. Six point five out of ten is mm. it's, it's a pass, lah. It's la. a pass. I'll give it actually a seven and a half. Nice. Okay. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I'm more of the kid here. La. No, so. that, 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 that's fair. Yeah. If you are looking for something a bit uh, grittier uh, and for Robin to say, fuck Batman, uh, <laughs> Titans debuts on the DC streaming service next mm. month. Uh, we'll be catching it. Uh, oh, if you want to see pe- uh, Batman's penis also. Oh, it's all on, it's on, on a comic. new comic book series. Yeah. It's been um, edited out. Yeah, I know. I heard. Yeah, I know. It's just a... Yeah. yeah. It's like Japanese porn. No? <sighs> Whatever lah, Batman. Batman. Batman but the thing about Batman is and comic books in general I think it's very malleable yes, there, yes. there can be kids versions adults versions porn versions mm. whatever lah don't, yeah, don't I, I, I feel that you should give it a chance even if you're a hardcore geek yeah. or a hardcore comic guy mm. like don't just dismiss it just because it's funny and like for kids lah yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I know this is a weird transition because we were just saying um, give it a chance you know uh. Uh, but something that I was reluctant to give a chance but I did anyway uh, was Iron Fist season two? Oh, um, I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, but um, Iron Fist season two is good. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's 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 give all our Iron Fist season two is good for an Iron Fist. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, Except <laughs> okay. and low expectations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the problem I'll... was not not the problem was the first season was Scott Buck. Yes. Yeah. Who is the the worst showrunner I've ever uh, encountered in my life? Like, Human, right? In humans, the last season of Dexter, where mm. Dexter became a lumberjack, uh, and the first season of Iron Fist, uh, mm-hmm. and that that was the issue. Mm. I know there's a lot of whitewashing controversy and terrible fight choreography and blah blah mm. blah, but the buck stops at Scott Buck. Yeah. When they remove Scott Buck, you can instantly tell that this new season is done by a new creative team. Yes. <laughs> to, and it's the creative team from Into the Badlands, yeah. which is a, a crazy kung fu uh, show. Kung fu, yeah. Uh, kung fu post apocalyptic show. Yeah. Uh, it's like Mad Max meets Mad Max uh, Ender meets... Dragon. Yes, correct. Uh, so, I mean, perfect for Iron Fist, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that should have done it from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and they listen to every season one criticism and try to address it as best they mm. can. Like. I, Obviously, like... Not you know, all was addressed. They are, they're at a deficit. Like, they're yeah. trying to correct. dig their way off a hole. But yeah. I think they have quite successfully done that. Agreed. Um, were they involved when Iron Fist was on Luke Cage? Uh, no, no, that was that's a purely, that was just purely Luke Cage, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the Luke Cage show. But I remember that line that Luke Cage said. Was that uh, when he met Danny? Like he said, like nah, you kind of you, you have you changed or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you feel different. You, you feel, feel different. different. And I do. I do feel like Danny has been rehabilitated, rehabilitated somewhat. He was right? the best part of the second half of Luke Cage. Like when yes. he appeared, suddenly yeah. his breath of fresh air. Yeah. Uh, Danny is still the least interesting <laughs> part of his own show. <laughs> Sadly, yes, but he is better developed mm-hmm. and not annoying. Still whiny. Still whiny, but yeah. I mean... Uh, with reason. That, with yeah, reason. But, with but that's reason. the character, you see. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and most importantly, I feel like the fight sequences are dope. Yes. All the characters... Chris. Yeah, fight sequences are great. Characters are be- better developed. Mm-hmm. The story is mostly, mostly, mm-hmm. caveat, interesting. 
and I feel they have better villains this time. Oh yeah, I sure. think Davos. Way better. Davos comes across as like a, a menacing motherfucker. A, a mystical punisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah in, okay. in his zero tolerance policy yeah. for you know criminals, he wants to murder people and stuff. Yeah. Uh, particularly Alice Eve Stafford Mary was quite a revelation oh, for yes. me because mm-hmm. I didn't think she could do it and she did. Yeah, yeah. she was. Yeah. Uh, very very good. She, Alice Eve is frankly better than everyone else on the show. Uh. Yes, like she's easily. she's so beyond the show. She, it's she inc- needs insane. her own show. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I get it. There is you know the way that she plays uh, the normal Mary, the sweet and uh, and charming, Innocent, which, which and is like, the character that she's played in rom com several times. Yeah. But when she switches to Typhoid To Walker To Walker I mean Whoa Intense The, the, context, the eyes change The context give it away mm. I think the first interaction When Davos threatens uh, Mary right And yeah. she switches to Walker yeah. that, that like Stare down between The two villains Gave me chills uh, yeah. That's yeah. fucking cool it, it, it was really And you could tell like You couldn't tell Who actually win a fight If they were to fight uh, Yeah Actually da- Who was it Davos was like Like she's dangerous right Yeah Yeah. yeah. So I mean Like that means It uh, and also the Meacham family dynamic was also interesting. right? Yes. Yeah. Not only with Joy. It was like the worst part of season one, but this was okay with Joy. With yeah, and what? And what was yeah. my my favorite character this season? Yeah. I mean, apart from uh, Alice, uh, I mean, uh, Typhoon Mary yeah. Uh, yeah. We are talking about um, what Meacham, not Grand Watt here. Oh yeah, yeah, what Meacham? Yeah. Sorry, there are too many Watts in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I thought his his dealing with, um, with addiction was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Uh, I thought the sister's motivation was uh, a bit extreme, but I, I kind get of it. justified. I I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, villains were awesome. Family dynamics was awesome. Um, and most importantly, I never felt bored. Nope. Yeah. It's still not a great show, but I, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, there's like, a breeze to watch because it's also ten seasons. Uh, ten episodes, lah. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Still yeah. the thirty. It was a lot shorter. Uh, I do like the whole dragon. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> sisters of the dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, to me, every time they show up and they have their own thing, right? That's kind of like the best thing. Misty and Colleen. Yeah, like. Misty and Colleen mm. together. Yeah, I was surprised that Misty played such a big part this season. You like, thought like was, one two episodes, right? She was three quarters. Yeah, three quarters. You're there. Yeah, I mean, it felt like it felt like he was along for Danny was along for the ride, mm. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. In in fairness, right? I think season two is Colin Wing season. Like, mm-hmm. She was the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, even to, well, okay, we'll address that in the spoiler sections, yeah. But uh, she did become almost a lead, yeah. uh, and, and Daddy Ren was a sidekick, which I think still works for the show. Yeah, it does. They learn from season one. Hey, yeah. Colin Wing is a more far more interesting character and better like actress. More. <laughs> yeah. So why not lean into that, lah? And also, she Asian. Yes. It, it addresses the whitewashing that was happening. Uh, Even yeah. though Danny Rand technically in the comic is white. Correct. White as fuck. Yes, correct. Mm. Uh, but the issues with the whitewashing was that they also felt that Danny yeah. being white in the in the comic was wrong as well. Yeah, but it was yeah, the yeah. 70s. It was a whole different time. It was time, a whole yeah. different time, yeah. Uh, and, and yes, they are right, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like, do you feel that it went where it went because of that? Because quite honestly, how the season ended... Mm. I didn't think they would go there so soon. So soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I would have thought that like maybe season 4, mm. you know, maybe. we'll probably go something like that. But, oh, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, we're going to hit into spoiler sections now, I guess, uh, to yeah. address what we were just talking about. Yeah. So, spoilers in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Yeah, holy shit, um, Colleen is the new Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe they actually pulled the trigger on that. Because at first, when Danny teased the idea of transferring his power into her, yeah. I thought it was something they were like going right? to backtrack on. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no way they're going to do this. Like you said, season 3, season yeah. 4, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But goddamn, they really followed through. Uh, and right at the end, after the 
flash forward epilogue, Danny also somehow manages to regain his Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. But he has two Iron Fists now, and he can transfer his, he can transfer his chi into weapons and bullets. And so can Colleen, who uses a katana. Uh, katana. Now, um, yeah, that's fucking cool. Uh. And it, this, this is actually kind of. I mean, we read comics, so we know yeah. that this is connected to um, an old Iron Fist called Austin Randall. Awesome Randall. Uh, yeah. But for the people who don't read the comics, they're probably gonna find out the backstory and how this yeah. happened next season. Yeah. And it's yeah. very, very interesting. Yes, yes. It, is. it is. We can't spoil that one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, also they changed it a lot, lah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but they, uh, they Austin Randall is one of the guys that actually gave him uh, the book, right? That mm. special book with all the Iron Fist moves and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interestingly, that they use uh, that Davos, I mean, who plays a steel serpent. Yeah. yeah. That he doesn't. Uh, that he is from. Uh, they changed his story where he is now from Kunlun. Mm. I mean, yeah. Uh, instead of to... another city, another yeah. mystical city, because there's like seven mystical cities yeah. around the world. The and seven all. kingdoms. So I'm glad that they kind of like not I do mean, that. They had to collapse. Yeah, yeah. I hope. I, I like that they collapsed it I... instead of. Explaining it too big. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I do feel like this whole like adopted brother kind of like tension that they're having did, doesn't quite come across as genuinely. Yeah. Especially in contrast with like the Meacham the Meacham The Meacham and Joy. Right? That's, like, that's like some serious sibling rivalry yeah, 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 right yeah. there, right? The Davos thing doesn't Yeah, so the Davos thing doesn't quite like, you know. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Um, another little bit of a spoiler is that uh, Typhoid Mary's identity is kind of rooted in Sokovia which yeah. is an unexpected Age of Ultron connection yes. which uh, I mean I always like the little easter eggs yeah, it's yeah. always fun um, and I really loved once again that Mystina wasn't just a one episode crossover yeah. mm-hmm. she was one of the she and Colleen yeah. yeah now with Claire gone right I mean uh, Rosario Dawson has apparently quit Marvel Netflix <gasps> yeah. uh, she's not no. gonna be back um, it feels like Misty is the new Claire connecting all the different all the different shows, shows. Yeah, especially yeah. with her, her new status as police captain now yeah um, to, even to the point where Claire is um, sorry where Misty is connected outside of Marvel Netflix yeah um, in Cloak and Dagger she was actually name tracked because one of the protagonist uh, cops on Cloak and Dagger was used to be Misty's partner yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in Harlem so I thought that was cool uh. so yeah. now they're even going across streaming services to, to Hulu and to Freeform there you did no part like this speaking of, no part speaking of MCU of, uh, yeah Speaking of um, since we're in spoiler there, speaking yeah. of connecting characters, right? Mm. I'm gonna hypothesize, yeah. right, that Mary is gonna jump over to black uh, to to Dope. Daredevil. She is a, a traditional Daredevil. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think they're gonna do it a lot sooner than we expect. Okay, oh, because next month when next Daredevil season three premieres. Oh, uh, okay, that might be a bit of a May might next be season, a, bit of, a bit of a stretch, but I think it'll be sooner than later, right? Okay, because. Uh, she plays his love interest, yeah. right? Yeah. And he plays his love interest uh, before, well, technically in the comics, before Claire. Lah, Correct. Right? So I'm very interested to see, and with the fact that they've already established the third personality, mm-hmm. uh, which is Mary. Bloody Mary, Bloody yeah. Mary, right? So that that has, I mean, like, Bloody Mary's rise to power is actually very, very strongly connected to Daredevil's uh, the story that the storyline yeah. that they're going to be doing in the next season, Correct, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm very, very interested to see if they do that. Yeah. If he she does show up uh, next month when they ever, I think that would be a very bold move on on uh, Marvel. Right. And a very good secret, Because uh, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that Alice Eve was playing Typhoid Mary was something that kind of just like flew over casting news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody quite realized it, and even when they did see her in the first episode, they didn't think she could pull it off. But she's quite magnetic in the role. In mm. fact, the best actress in the show. Um, I think I would highly recommend Iron Fist Season 2 uh, because if you had seen Season 1 you obviously already have low expectations yeah. Yeah. please please uh, give it a chance but the fact that Colleen Wing is your new star the fact that Alice Eve is on it this is a 7 uh, out of 10 for me 
Oh uh, yeah, seven out of ten. Yep, that's okay. fair. That's yeah, fair. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten overall. Oh my god, this is Iron Fist, guys. I know. Last last season was like I think a four. I still remember us talking yeah. about yeah. Uh, talking about watching Iron Fist like a week before it came out. I mean, all of us were like, oh my oh, god. Yeah. Have we started oh, this podcast then? Iron Fist? No, right. In season one? No, no right. we, 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 we started started Defenders, right? Yeah. Uh, the Punisher was maybe the first Netflix show we talked about. Yeah. And Defenders, huh? And Defenders, correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that we all give this uh, good reviews shows that uh, Iron Fist has significantly improved. Mm. Still more work to go. Yeah. yeah. But they're going killing in the right direction. Yeah. And I feel like more confident in like this showrunner mm. and this, uh, the stunt uh, choreographer. Yeah. And all that. So, okay lah. Let's see where this goes lah. Oh, uh, man. Uh, Marvel Netflix is, uh, I think, on the right path. All of their shows have improved in season 2. Yep. Mm. Um, Daredevil it will be premiering on October 9th. Team. I think uh, so. So please check that out as well. We will definitely review next, uh, definitely. next episode because yeah. it's an important show. La. And all, the only universally beloved show of all the Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah. Yes. Everybody loves it. And Fisk yeah. is back, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, Vincent Donofrio. Yeah, I know we talk a lot about like uh, Bushmaster and and Alice Eve and stuff like that, la, but Vincent Donofrio mm-hmm. is still like if the goat of Marvel oh, Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when he came out as Kingpin, wow. Uh, wow. He wow. said oh. the bar too high, man. He did, he did. He said about way too high. He did, he did. Uh, next up, we're going to stick with Netflix. This is a Netflix heavy episode, guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about a new show created by Avatar, the last Airbender hit writer, Eric <gasps> Azaz, called The Dragon, Dragon Prince. Prince. I feel it's less like Avatar or Korra and more like a kiddie version of Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. It's nowhere near as great as those reference points, but it is a super endearing and engrossing swords and sorcery kind yes. of tale. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that has the potential to be one day. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's not there yet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you guys take this. What do you guys think of uh, Dragon okay. Prince? Okay, let me start with this. Okay. <clears throat> Honestly, if you were trying to compare it to like Avatar and Korra, it's just unfair. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's not, not the, the same. same. Yeah, yeah, okay. In terms of like, remember like how they built Avatar and Korra, they had first, they, they used a lot of Asian influences. They took years to research into it. Like this, I mean, I... This felt a lot thinner in terms of like the law. Yeah. We, we I think we're still discovering it lah as yeah. it goes yeah. on. Um the the world felt very familiar. Yes. Like every fantasy uh ever. Ever, you know, like you if, can even be in disenchantment kind of. Uh, yeah. It's largely derivative of European fantasy tropes. Yes, uh, your correct. Tolkien, your Martins. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you get that kind of vibe. Um But unlike those stories, right? Yeah. Dragon Prince is surprisingly richly diverse. Yes, uh, The best part is that the show doesn't make a big deal. Big deal out of it. it. Yeah. There is a king who is black, there are Chinese people, we don't even know there are brown people. Like, we don't know what their race yeah. is, but doesn't they just accepted and treated equally. And yeah. they don't make a big deal about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Which is cool. great. I mean, yeah. the elves have the weird Scottish accent? Yes. Sure. Well, only only the, the Moonshadow elves. But yeah. 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 You know? Uh, overall, uh, because it's very busy, it's so like eight episodes, right? Nine. Nine, Nine episodes. episodes. Yeah. Very yeah. quick, very it's easy like to watch. They... They move the story quite fast mm. towards the, the the ending lah. Spoiler alert. Are we spoiling it yet? No, uh, no, 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 no. I said. Uh, okay, you know when the ending happened, and I was like, okay, that's that's good enough lah. Nine episodes, uh, half an hour each, and you're done. We know what hap- what's going to happen, and now we are looking forward to what's going to happen with the yeah, yeah, thing yeah. like then. Mm. Uh, overall story was okay. It felt you're right, a kiddish uh, Game of Thrones. I felt that it was just too simple for me. Mm. Yeah, but it was very beautifully done though. Mm. What about you yeah. guys? 
I actually think it's less of a kiddie Game of Thrones than it is a kiddie Lord of the Rings. Mm. Because the story is almost exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it involves all the different races, you yeah, have your yeah. princess and okay. all that, right? So, like, I mean, I, I can see where the politics of it mm. makes more sense because, uh, I mean, Tokain's politics isn't as, like, grounded as what Martin would do, right? Yeah. In his entire thing. And I do feel like it's a good kind of merger between the two. It is extremely simple. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is very... I think the familiarity with the kind of story that it mm. is and the kind of animation that we're used to from the Avatar guys uh, makes it very comfortable, you know? Okay. Uh, it's an e- easy thing to... They, they don't need to work build because we kind of understand what the world the is. The world is, is from like, everything. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. from everything that they're doing. Uh, I do think there's a lot of potential for this to become very big. Yes. Uh, and I'm hoping that the simplicity of what they're trying to do in season one mm-hmm. is only an indication because they're trying to ease kids into it. Maybe. This is going to be one of those things that, like, for us, right, over the, what, eight-ish seasons of the entire Avatar franchise, we grew up with that, mm-hmm. you know? And it starts out equally simple, simple in though. the beginning. So yeah. I okay. have a feeling that given it's... it's okay. um, I can't remember. His I name. mean, I'll still give it a chance, lah. Um, narratively, I do find that I do agree that it is very simple. Uh, the only reason I equated it to Game of Thrones is because the first episode, the winter is coming joke. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so Im- immediately, immediately like, I, I yeah. thought of that. Um, but eventually, yeah, yeah. Although like we the story, eventually, exactly. <laughs> although the story structure is quite simple, I did like, I did like that they boiled down dark and complicated political concepts mm. like um, the shades of grey in war, of intolerance, yeah. of the demonization of the other. Yeah. Mm. Um, as key plot points uh, but at the same time it didn't feel heavy no. yeah. and it was distilled down to its its uh, its base core mm. uh, for in a way that kids can understand yeah. and appreciate the different sides of uh, a struggle mm. yeah yeah. so um, I did feel the ending was a bit abrupt um, oh yes episode 9 kind of just it felt like they ran out of money in the stop production okay. it felt like it was one more episode right there should have been at least one, one more, more episode, episode for, yeah. for a resolution yeah, uh, that's probably the case um, because there were quite a number of like check of gun plot points that they did not take Pull off. Pull the trigger on now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I was a bit annoyed with that. I feel like even if you do want some sort of cliffhanger, you do need to address some of the things that you're bringing. That's in. a huge ass cliffhanger though. It is, uh, it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so overall, um, what do you, would you guys rate it in your final thoughts? Six and a half. Six and a half or mm. ten? Uh, how about you guys? Huh? Mm, same for me, six and a half. Yeah, this is a six and a half for me as well. Mm. Soft, soft recommend. Soft recommend. Soft I mean, recommend. it's so it's such a quick and easy binge. So yeah. I mean, mm. it's. I think like more people would rather watch this than Iron Fist season two. Yeah, because it's so easy to watch. Because it's so easy to watch. Yeah. It's short. It's fun. You, it's one of those shows that you can watch while doing work. Yeah, yeah, true. for sure. Uh, and next up, we're gonna jump into quick hits. <laughs> uh, Quick Hits is a segment that I do every month where I run through the shows that maybe my uh, co-hosts might not have had a chance to see but this month some of them have I did so they can jump in when, when, whenever like you have a topic that you are okay, that you're familiar with sounds good so um, the first thing I'm going to talk about is wow I was even debating to make this a topic Go ahead. <laughs> this, this is very very tough because by making it a topic right it's a spoiler for the show oh. so if you don't know what this is right stop to Stop, Stop listening. listening now like, In 5 4 3 2 what? No no come back <laughs> No no uh, we, we, There's a timestamp In the in the yeah, yeah, yeah. So please uh, check that out So I'm going to talk about An Amazon Prime show Called Forever like. mm. It's the brainchild Of uh, Alan Yang From uh, Master of None Master Co-creator like. And Matt Hubbard Who is a staff writer On Parks and Recreation And yeah. Teddy Rock um, Forever is one of the shows That's impossible to talk about Without giving away As many many surprises Okay So Okay, basic premise, and then I'm going to go to spoiler section. Oh, no. Basic premise is that 
Maya Rudolph and Fred Emerson. Are a couple. The, the stars, they're a couple. Uh, and it's the first episode is a story about uh, marriage and repetition and, and routine and the tedium. Getting into of, this very weird, comfortable relationship. Yes, and and the the key about the what I loved about that emotion is that there is no external drama. There's no one having an affair. Mm. There's uh, nothing of that sort. Uh. There's mm. no like there's no child dying or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just very real. Uh. I yeah. mean, there are a lot. This is more realistic than most uh, marriage dramas that I've seen uh, because you know people do stick together, and then they just grow apart. Uh, for no reason other than the fact that they just been doing the same thing over and over, over again, again for so long. Yeah. Uh. Um, so in the pilot episode, uh, there's this beautiful 10 minute up sequence, like a montage of their marriage like, in the beginning, mm. that basically shows over a, a dope ass jazz track, you know, uh, what they've been going through. Like. Mm. And so every vacation, every year for 13 years straight, they go to a lake house. So on this vacation, Maya Rudolph suggests, why don't we go skiing instead? Are we going to a spoiler territory or are we done already? Uh, this is the first episode. Uh, so I guess you kind of get the, the gist of it lah yeah, okay. what show is. so okay. now now I'm delving into real spoiler territory. Okay. so the first episode they go skiing in a ski lodge yeah. uh, and then Fred Emerson dies from a ski accident yeah. uh, and then the second episode becomes jumps forward one year and becomes like this show about grief like sorry for your loss on Facebook watch mm. if you've seen it um, it's about Maya Rudolph kind of this complicated feeling of grief because she was resentful of her husband for quote unquote maybe uh, not allowing her to do what she wanted or maybe making her feel too comfortable which is a weird thing to be angry at your husband at yeah. and then now that he's dead and this, the quote-unquote binds are released she feels like she might be betraying his memory by actually moving forward by doing all the things she wanted to do you know it's it's a weird kind of feeling okay, right? okay. which I can get lah. but yeah. towards the end of the episode her friends have convinced her to maybe get a new job move uh, move away so she bought a plane to Hawaii or to her new job uh, at which point she eats a macadamia nut and then she dies. Uh, so this is the second episode. And the <laughs> third episode, she wakes up in the afterlife. Yeah. In the same house with her husband, uh, who's happy to see her. Ooh. And then in the third episode, they are reunited, reunited happy, you know, celebrating that they get to see each other. And then at the end of the third episode, the husband brings her to the lake house that they've been vacationing <gasps> in all the time, serves her the same food, and then she has this look on his fa- on her facing. Oh crap! As if to imply like. Oh shit! This is this is forever. Yeah, you know. So it's it's like this really existential love story about what it means to be together forever. Like really means to be together forever. You know. How many episodes are there? Uh, ten. Okay. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Like it's a, it's about marriage and routine and mundanity, but in a very um, a spiritual kind of way. Like. Okay. Like, how would you feel like if you know you're stuck with someone that you don't want to be with forever and there's no no escape because you can't die. Okay. You did. Uh, so, this is a story about her trying to find a way out mm. uh, without breaking her husband's heart and how they work through that. Uh, one of the best episodes I've ever seen this year is the sixth episode. Uh, the sixth episode, there is, I, I don't know their names, it's just this one black guy who's a realtor and this one Korean woman who's also a realtor. Mm-hmm. So, the black guy comes to the house, wants to buy the house with a client, and then they get to talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, it's a very nice beyond, uh, not beyond, sorry, before sunrise kind of situation. Uh, yeah. With very, very beautifully crafted um, um, uh, dialogue. Okay. And then you have, this is real chemistry between them. And it's very rare to find, like, real chemistry like that on a TV show. And yeah, it's yeah, done yeah. in 10 minutes, you know. And then he kisses her and then she's like, I'm engaged, so I can't, I can't do anything. Uh, so they part ways. And he's very cool about it. He's not, like, pushy or anything. He's just yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. And then uh, skip a few years later. Mm-hmm. She goes to his open house 
And, and it just so happens to be the same house that he's selling, you know. Um, <laughs> and then they they start talking again and reconnect, and then they're both married now. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in the end, they end up having sex. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's after they have sex, their significant others call them, and then they feel bad about what they've done, uh-huh. and then they part ways again. Uh, and then they meet again a few years later. There's this flash forward, like another five to ten years. And they're just... It looks like they're married and living together, but they're just basically kind of like squatting in this house and having dinner uh, during their off days, pretend like they're married, not married couple. Oh. And then towards the end of the dinner, they promise each other that, mm, yeah, this is the time. I'm I'm gonna leave my wife. You're gonna leave your husband. Oh, it's one of those. We're gonna make a deal with about this, right? Yeah. And then jumps forward fifty years later. Oh. He's an old man now, and then he walks to the same house that her company is selling lah. The, the her realtor company mm-hmm. realty company I'm sorry uh-huh. and then tries to find her and then you come to realise that no they actually didn't break up with their husbands they, or, or wives they kept on they just kept on kept and, on and there was just her. a false promise la. and yeah, that was, yeah. was quite sad la. and then he finds out through one of uh, her assistants that she recently passed away mm. and then she just sits down and then he mutters to himself I, I, I guess we missed our chance la. and then it pans up to the ghost of Maya Rudolph, uh, who's been watching this happen over over the years, uh, because it's their house. Yeah. They sold, the house was sold uh, when they died. Uh. Mm. Uh, and then this is what instigates her to leave her husband. In the uh, afterlife. In the afterlife. Damn, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. no, I, I, I think it's, it's a really, really great profound show, but it's a difficult way to... S- it's difficult to sell without spoiling it. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because if I just told you it's a, it's a show about the mundanity of marriage, it's, I'm like there's a thousand shows about quite, that. Yeah. yeah, there's a thousand shows about that lah. So this is that plus good place. And by the way, Maya Rudolph is on good place as well. She plays the judge. She's a judge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so hilarious. This is a nine out of ten for me. Okay. Excellent. What else? Uh, next up, I have a show called Castle Rock, which is a Polish psychological thriller that ties together the Stephen King multiverse mm-hmm. into one show. Uh, with like creepily compelling character-driven mysteries. Mm-hmm. It, in the early stages, it felt like a pastiche of various stories mm-hmm. Stephen, old Stephen King stories or we reference The Shining okay, we reference this okay. we reference Shawshank blah 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 and then and, but it just felt like a prestige it just felt like oh, oh remember that remember that remember Barry's you know from South Park yeah but once the show stopped paying homage to other stories and began telling his own Castle Rock became instantly riveting like the first six episodes were meh a lot of member berries but the last four were just spectacular mm. so this is a hard thing for me to review because there were six meh and four amazing. Okay. So I don't know whether it is worth it or not. Mm. In particular, there's a seventh episode called The Queen, yeah. uh, which is very reminiscent of Bojack's episode about dementia. Mm. So it's about the horrors of Alzheimer's, and it might be one of the more, most visually poetic and emotionally devastating hours of TV I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it is boasted by a tour de force performance from Sissy Spacek. Uh, the episode follows Sissy uh, Spacek's character, Ruth, mm-hmm. who struggles with dementia to take her down a rabbit hole of memories, and the viewer is invited to experience them uh, and the sensation of dislocated time in the same way that she does la. Okay. so uh, one scene beats into another 70s beat into the 80s 80s beat into the 40s all in the same room and she never quite knows where she is at any point of time la. it's disorienting it's heartbreaking and it's an effective way to manifest something more tangibly frightening than any of Stephen King's monsters that were introduced in the show okay. coping with Alzheimer's is a really existential um, yeah, yeah, horror yeah. It's uh, like Lost, the constant meets internal sunshine of the spotless mind kind of thing. La. But what is cool about the episode also is that we realise at the end that although yes, she does have Alzheimer's and she bleeds into different moments of 
time and the past, mm-hmm. she actually is, right, her mind is time traveling. So she can affect the past and the future. Oh, okay. And then there's a lot of like cool time loop things that happen and explain a lot of things that happened previously in the show. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Okay. Why did she think that way in the past? Why does she think that way in the future? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of explained very neatly in this one episode. Uh, it's it's a very creepy but very grounded show but towards the end you get really inventive a bit. Like. The second to last episode they, I mean legitimately went into an alternate universe Wow. to try to explain where the villain came from. Like. Okay. Um, it's, it's very cool. Like. It's, a, it's a slow burn filled with good acting and good production which was okay, but it can be tedious, especially in the first half. Its last few episodes were suddenly feel so much flourish, so I started loving it. But in the end, when you try to average out both scores, I feel like it's a 7 out of 10. Okay, That's still okay. recommend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there were a few like 4 out of 10, 5 out of 10, 4 out of 10, 5 out of 10, suddenly 10 out of 10. 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 10, 10. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, so this is, uh, I mean, this is called Castle Rock, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of Stephen King references that like, um, too many for me to point out. You know, like uh, there is uh, Jack Nicholson's niece from The Shining. You know, is in this. Okay. Torrance and stuff like that. Like. Okay. Uh, and of course, the whole show is kind of set in Shawshank. So I mean, that's okay. the most obvious one. Like. Yeah. La. Uh, next up, I'm gonna talk about a show that is recently departed. I guess is the right word. Um, <laughs> the Adventure Time. Um, after 280 episodes, one of the greatest cartoons of all time has come to, in my opinion, a perfect end. La, with a joyful, soulful, and mm-hmm. mind-bending giant-sized finale, which is basically 40 minutes, but you know, considering adventure time is usually 10 yep. minutes, yep. it's giant-sized for them. La. So they deal with the great gum war between Princess Bubblegum and her uncle Gumball, mm-hmm. and the sudden reappearance of the monstrous Gulp, G-O-L-B. Um, so Adventure Time's finale offered plenty of stakes and surprises yeah. in its final adventure. And best of all, the finale made one of the most beloved cartoon ships canon by having um, Princess Bubblegum and Marceline finally share a kiss. Um, it's something that their former producer Rebecca Sugar really pushed for. Mm. And I think it's something that her own show, Steven Universe, has been continually unafraid to do yeah, over yeah, its yeah. runtime. So I'm glad that Adventure Time finally managed to accede to her demands, albeit in the finale. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice. Better late than never. Better late than never. Mm. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why Rebecca Sugar left the show as yeah, well. Yeah. But she mm. did come back to co write the finale, so I think this is, has her fingerprints all over it. Um, The finale is thrilling and has some mythology of altering revelations Mm -hmm. but in the end the show is just a really simple show about friendship and hope and Mm -hmm. the magic of music you know Mm -hmm. and I love that it just stuck to that. Um, Some people were bothered by the fact that the conclusion was so open-ended it's a very abstract, ambiguous uh, yeah. conclusion. But I loved it because it stayed true to the spirit of the show. Yeah. It ends by starting off a lot of new arcs. As mm. if to say that the adventure continues. Yeah, but it yeah. just won't be on your screen. Yeah. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's beautiful. I, I love yeah, yeah. open-ended endings like that. Although, there is a season 11 of Adventure Time coming up in comic book form. Uh-huh. Uh, Boom Comics will be releasing uh, Adventure Time season 11 next month. Okay. And it will be co-written, co-written by Eisner Award winner Sunny Liu. Whoa. Who uh, wrote The Art of Charlie Chan Hock Chai uh, Singaporean, of, uh, Singaporean writer and yeah. illustrator So suck it NAC Every episode <laughs> <laughs> Every episode we have fun right yeah. We have fun like suck it NAC <laughs> Every time I mention Salini uh, Next up I'm gonna be Handing it over to Aisa uh, we, He's gonna be talking about The live action adaptation of Bleach Directed oh. by Shinsuke Sato Yeah I wanna hear this Okay, so I I basically grew up watching Bleach. Like I watched Bleach religiously for years. On you want those abing? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm call, call call it whatever you want. Um, <laughs> so as with uh, our, our general rule of thumb for any sort of live action adaptation of a of a big anime, we we, we take it. With a grain of salt. 
with with a lot of salt. With a lot of salt. With a lot of salt. It's like video game adaptations. Yeah, uh, with uh, most video game adaptations. But I have to say, overall, what caught me was uh, it. You know, Netflix and their annoying like autoplay trailer kind of thing, right? Yeah. So it popped out, and I just like. You know what? I think I think like I've invested enough time in this in this particular franchise to give, give it a, a shot. shot, right? Just like how I gave Full Metal Alchemist a shot. Uh, that did not pay <laughs> that off. Did not go that well. did not pay off as well. Um, but I do think with the amount of money that Netflix has given them, the production value was a lot better than I thought it would be. Oh wow! Uh, I do like the fact that they uh, they had to. Oh, I mean, obviously, Bleach has like like what 600 over episodes or something mm, along yeah. those lines right so in order and more in manga form and more in manga form exactly mm. right and so for them to kind of condense an arc into the like one hour and was 40 it minutes uh, it was pretty interesting so they did have to shift around mm. a lot of stuff uh, some of the casting choices were strange in my opinion uh, I thought that the guy that they casted as Ichigo was a good cast like okay. he, he yeah. they got that completely down but everybody else felt a bit off uh, Chado's casting was great uh, Inoue's casting was weird um, as it was for all of the Shinigami that you see in this particular episode okay. uh, the CGI was good but not great mm-hmm. uh, it did feel very close to what I imagine a hollow would look like mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the CGI form I like the choreography and action I yes yeah, I was, I was going to get to that the fight scenes were actually very enjoyable yeah. uh, surprisingly because I mean like Bleach has always been over the top right? <laughs> yeah. like maybe second only to Dragon One Ball Piece, no, yeah, something yeah, like that. You know, or like you know, it's always been over the top, and it's always these feats of superhuman strength. Mm. But I do feel that the fight scenes had a great weight to it and a great oh. pacing to it, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Like this, the sword fighting was actually decent. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like just something that they pulled out of their ass. Um, their decision to focus on Grand Fisher as the primary antagonist mm-hmm. uh, or primary monster this time round was very very smart. Because you don't actually get to that like way, way down the line. They basically pulled a, a backstory thread, right? Yeah. Um, across maybe five seasons. Yeah. So you only see the conclusion after five seasons, right? And they condensed it into a single storyline. That uh, can work, lah. For I mean, this. Yeah, yeah, Which I thought was great. Okay. Uh, and then they used that to kind of like um, set up whatever uh, future they want for the franchise okay. as a whole. So I'm going to give this a soft recommend for fans of Bleach. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm okay. giving it a 6.5. Okay. Uh, just because I thought that uh, it it it's one of the better live action uh, adaptations of anime we've can beat Kenshin so far. can beat Kenshin no Kenshin no, right. is a different kind of monster yeah Samurai okay. yeah. uh, X was quite an interesting adaptation yeah but that was frame for frame though so yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that that that, that no, Chico changes yeah the way that it is. so I do soft recommend especially if you love Bleach and you just want to feel nostalgic about okay. things and you want to kind of see the differences that they, the producers had to choose uh-huh. um, when trying in, in a different medium altogether. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for live action anime adaptations, the bar is set very low. So, a, a, a bit like Iron Fist Season 2, this is a 6 out of 10 for me as well. Yeah. Not just because, you know, I expected so little, but then like, I actually enjoyed myself for the 2 hours. Yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, so, uh, so if you have a couple of uh, hours free, this isn't a bad choice to spend your dinner yeah. time or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, next time, I'll be talking about something I didn't enjoy that much. What um, is it? I'm gonna talk about Shane Black's first ever truly bad movie. Oh no! Called <laughs> the Predator. Oh no! Um, it's an incoherent mess. Um, <laughs> oh, it's overstuffed and full of plot holes. Mm. And worst of all, 
It's just plain boring. Uh, I had so much hope too because I love Shane Black. The Nice Guys and Kiss Kiss Bam Bam were, were two of my favourite movies ever and I'm a huge defender of Iron Man 3 Same. as you mentioned because I doubt what he was trying to do there. Yep. I don't think it was entirely successful but I liked it. I thought Iron Man 3 was a great movie okay. but a bad MCU movie. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in, in the end, I mean, I appreciated what I was trying to do. Yeah. But this but the Predator is just indefensible. Really indefensible. Forget the reports of him casting a convicted sex, ascend- a sex offender friend yeah, in yeah, a role yeah. for the movie. Uh, and, you know, the, the guy went to jail, right, for trying to have sex with a 14-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's horrible. Uh. And then, he shunned Olivia Munn during the press tour when she outed right. it to the media. And like he, she, she had to go solo and all that to Correct. the press tour. And the weird part was, Olivia Munn was the only actress who had a scene with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a sexually aggressive scene as well. So, I mean, oh, I, no. I'm, I'm sure she felt um, off-put by that. Like, the scene was eventually deleted by Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I, I understand why she would feel that way. Uh, and the only other person who defended her was Sterling K. Brown mm. from uh, This Is Us. Like, and, uh, but then after that, everybody started to... They, they were ashamed into it. They kind of like Sterling yeah. K. Brown was the first, only one that was the like, first one who stood up for her. Yeah, yeah, but the rest were shamed into it. Like. I mean, it, go watch Bernard Osman to see how this happens. Like. Yeah, uh, all real life. If you're in, <laughs> if you're in Hollywood, <laughs> yeah, Hollywood. Uh, anyway, um, that itself soured the movie for me, like. mm-hmm. But excluding all that, let's the just movie, say just uh, from the movie perspective. Yeah, separate art from artists, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's sad because Shane Black was in the original movie and had such a personal connection to the franchise. Because he was, a, he, was a, the, he was a funny guy. He was the funny guy. Um, I could see what he wanted to do, but the final result stinks of studio interference, I think, a bit. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, there are some really funny Shane Blackisms there, like some laugh out loud moments uh-huh. that kind of salvage them a bit. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's a 4 out of 10 for me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking about an independent A24 movie called Slice, uh, mm. starring uh, Chance the Rapper, Zazie Beats, and Hannibal Buress. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a purposely super campy horror comedy about pizza from hell. Uh, the movie centers around the slayings of a bunch of small town pizza delivery boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the best energy for this is it's much like pizza. La. The content is cheesy and hemi fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's just pure fast food silliness that goes well with weed. La. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a... It's a wee movie. La. It's a wee movie. La, that is just really stupid, but I get what it's trying to do. So it's a 6 out of 10 for me. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about a podcast called Batman on Bats. This is not an official DC podcast, mind you. This is a fan-made, uh, unaffiliated with DC podcast created by Chris Geiger, Sean Rose, and Stephen Winchell. It's a fan-made podcast that is about old-school baseball radio broadcasts, just with Batman playing baseball against a team made out of his rogues gallery. Mm. Um, so, I don't know if you've ever seen Brockmire. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, I, I mean... After you recommended it. Or, or even if you don't watch Brockmire, right? Mm-hmm. There is... I know we live in Singapore, yeah. but yeah. there's a certain like kind of romanticism with like you know the baseball broadcast from the 30s and the 40s, yeah. the crackly radio, yeah. the the soothing deep voice, you know, yeah. that's just for whiskey and cigars that you can just smell. Yeah. And talking about the America's favorite pastime, yeah, it's all that lah. Okay, with Batman playing baseball against the Joker and Riddler and stuff like that. Nice. Um. So the best basic setup is that Batman has agreed to let all of his worst enemies go free if they can beat him in a in a game, game of baseball. baseball. It's a fun concept that combines the romanticism of the broadcast I mentioned, the play-by-play stuff, with a cute superhero story that's funny and surprisingly exciting hmm. and effectively captures the excitement of a live sports game. Wow. And that's the thing that I really liked about it. Okay. Uh, this is an 8 out of 10 for me. Okay. Nice. okay. Uh, next up, um, I think this is the lowest... No, no this is the second lowest re- rated uh, review <laughs> for Quick Hits. 
uh, I'm going to be talking about the latest movie from the Conjuring Cinematic Universe called The Nun. Nun. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. If you recall, this particular spirit first came out in The Conjuring 2. Mm. So, uh, much like Annabelle was spun off into his own movie. Lah. Yeah. It has actually quite good spooky atmospherics and okay. a couple of decent set pieces. Okay. But its sins are unforgivable. Wow. Um, <laughs> 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 not bad, not the bad. The movie has terrible dialogue. Just terrible dialogue, inconsistent uh, logic, yeah. and a very boring story. I it see. is so boring. I wanted to walk out at the 45 minute mark. Mm. Not because it's scary, you know, but because I just was so bored. Okay. There was just nothing happening. It's just lazy jump scare after lazy jump scare. Uh, with no, no character development or coherent anything. I think after Hereditary, you have to up the game. Lah. I don't know. I mean, I enjoy The Conjuring. I enjoy The Conjuring too. To a okay. lesser extent, but yeah, I mean, yeah. those are still past movies, lah. Yeah. But this is just man, lazy. It's, it's terrible. It's really lazy. This uh, three out of ten for me. Did there's your lowest? Uh, oh, there's no. one more lower. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Oh, I we're not done. Oh shit. I ha- I have I have one more. Okay, lah. I'm gonna jump to the lower before we talk about Hilda. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is the, my lowest score for this. For this, this this quick hits. Quick hits. Manifest is a new NBC. Oh movie. shit. Man- yeah. Manifest actually made the rounds on our Facebook newsfeed because a lot of it people were sharing has. the first nine minutes, right? Yeah. It's an intriguing premise. It's not people were sharing it. It was forced. It was forced shared. Yeah. Like it was just on your newsfeed, so no, I watched it. It's good, good marketing, though. I mean, yeah. But Manifest is an NBC series series about a plane that disappeared. Yeah. And returns five, five years, years later, later after being presumed lost at sea. God damn it! Despite being gone for so long, no time has passed for those on board. Mm. Uh. So. Um, how do I put this? Manifest is garbage. Okay. Uh, yet in another, yet another in a long line of lost ripoffs like, like the fast in, forward, like fast, flash forward, flash forward, uh, the events, etc. Yeah. That fundamentally misunderstands what made Lost work. Yeah. The problem with Manifest and other Lost ripoffs isn't the, isn't the, it isn't the frustrating mystery or the lack of answers. It's that none of the characters are interesting enough to make waiting for the answers feel worthwhile. It's not like Lost. Say what you want about Lost, right? And it's unanswered questions, it's frustrating ending. But in the end, right, the meat of the show was its character development. Compelling character. It had like 48 genuinely compelling characters with great arcs. Yeah, say that again, 48. That's a lot of people, you know. <laughs> yeah. And each of them, because of the flashback structure, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very well-developed arcs and good actors and great characters. Everything, like, good acting and all that. Manifest doesn't have any of that. Sure, the mystery was the hook. But the hook can only get you five minutes. Five minutes, the characters will get you invested. Mm-hmm. Manifest and all these other shows totally don't understand that that is the meat of the show. Mm-hmm. In the end, right? Storytelling is about people. Yep. It's not about a premise. Yep. And this is what uh, Manifest gets wrong, and it's so boring. This is a two out of two ten. Two out of ten. Uh, I agree with you. Oh, you watched the pilot too? Yeah. Okay, admittedly, right? I've only seen the first two episodes, so uh, it, it could, could get been. better. I doubt so lah. I really doubt so. I because doubt I've so. seen so many of these other shows. I mean, after watching like Flash Forward, yeah, there's Flash the, the fine Ralph, the, what's his, Joseph Fiennes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. no. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking about uh, a new Netflix animation mm. called Hilda. I haven't watched it. Hilda is damn cute. Oh man, it's so good. Um, based on Luke Pearson's beloved graphic novel series, uh, Hilda is a charming little cartoon full of wonder and adventure. Um, this is an adorable tale that follows a free-spirited little girl voiced by Bella Ramsey, who is Leona Mormont from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, I mean, just a great voice actress. Uh. 
but I, I, I keep hearing Liana so yeah I, I uh, do I do there, there are some quips that she makes I'm just like oh it's, it's a bit tough uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyways uh, she's a much sweeter girl than Liana is yeah. uh, and she's forced to move from her home in a vast magical forest full of elves and giants to the bustling city of Trollburg where she meets new friends and somehow even stranger creatures yeah um, if you need a light and all ages binge this is it for me uh, yeah. what, what do you think about it Isa? Uh, I I think, like, given all the things that we've watched this month, right? Some of them with a lot of violence, yeah, or call, a lot yeah. of heavy themes. Yeah. Uh, Hilda was a welcome um, reprieve. Break, reprieve from all of that, exactly. Okay. Like, it was actually that. Uh, it's extremely cute, uh, well-told, well-paced storytelling that uh, I really enjoyed the animation style. Nice. It's reminiscent of your Steven Universe and your Wee Bear Bears and, uh, so, yeah. and so on and so forth, right? Um, with a, a sense of wonder that you don't find in the Dragon Prince. Oh. Agreed. Yeah, because I watch them relatively close together, oh, okay. right? Uh, and I do feel that Hilda has a lot more of wonderment, right? Mm-hmm. And that childlike sense of wonder than the Dragon Prince has. Okay. Right? Uh, and I can see the differences in the approach there. But uh, all in all, I really, really enjoyed it. Very, very easy watch very very low commitment mm-hmm. uh, it's something that you can just put on you know over all your food or if you're doing some work uh, and I really enjoyed it okay. I'm very interested to see it's not the end yet right no it's first season yeah it's just the first oh. season uh, very interested to see where it goes whether or not it develops past the graphic what is it called again? Hilda Hilda Hilda, Hilda. Hilda. Okay. Uh, the theme song by Grimes is also really cute yeah I the really theme song like by Grimes it. is also very uh, cute Grimes has taken a lot of hit because, uh, hits because of Elon Musk lately but I mean this is a this is a great song it is a very Grimes yeah um, animation I have to say you see unlike the Dragon Prince right which uh, creates a world that I'm so familiar in already mm. because I've seen a hundred stories set in that world right um, Hilda is kind of based on Scandinavian folklore and folk tales so it's informative to me because I can learn about that I yes. don't know I don't know about the niece and about the nightmare spirits yeah. and, or um, the, the ghosts that live in your house or whatever yeah. stuff like that you never watch Vikings huh? so it's very informative <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, no, no different, no, no. It's different. <laughs> I know I know, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, but more importantly than the folklore it's kind of stories about um uh. Human relationships with nature, yeah, okay. uh, and has stories about peer pressure, stories about multiculturalism, and, and empathy. It offers many good lessons for kids. Mm. It is one of those kids show that it doesn't have, uh, to be honest, doesn't have those adult underpinnings. Yes, it's just a pure kid show. It's a pure kid show. Oh wow! And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What uh, what do you all recommend for this? Uh, this is an eight out of ten for me. Same. Okay, I'm gonna watch it tonight. Fun and breezy. And the last one I'm gonna talk about is something called Bobcat Gold Waves, Misfits and Monsters. Mm, Bobcat Gold Wave is a voice actor and a cult comedy legend, most famously because he created Police Academy. Yes. <laughs> uh, so he has a new horror comedy anthology series that is kind of a mixed bag of scathing satire, bizarre mm. absurdism, mm. and timely allegory. So there's a story about a werewolf running for president. Okay. Uh, and then they're trying to expose that you know he is a werewolf, but then. He's like fake news, etc. And then uh-huh. they really expose that he's a werewolf. Uh-huh. And then people are like, oh, but what do you have against werewolves? You know, <laughs> uh, my, my best friends are werewolves. You know? okay. uh, so in the end, he does become a werewolf and eat children. Uh, but it's okay. Uh, and really, you know, I mean, we've seen worse precedents. Uh, <laughs> there's also an, an, a voice actor played by um, Seth Green who is haunted by an animated blue bear that he voices who tries to rape his wife. It's very weird. Uh, what? There's also a whirlwind date uh-huh. Uh, by this guy, um, uh, I forgot. I forgot what his name was. But there's also um, yes. the really, really short guy from Freaks and Geeks. Oh, um, oh fuck! What's his name? 
uh, he was in Inglourious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Shit, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that the, guy. Yeah, I yeah. Listeners will know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has um the very short guy. Yeah, okay. So he he is accused by his uh, Indian friend of being a uh, racist. Racist, okay. Uh, because he made like an uh, inappropriate joke. Okay. Uh, so then he decides to go date uh. Indian girl. No, he he decides to date a mermaid, uh, to prove that he is not racist, uh, which is weird. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he falls in love with a mermaid at a SeaWorld type of show who turns out to be a real mermaid la. Okay. So and then like to prove that he's not prejudiced he goes up onto a real date with a mermaid to a restaurant and everything uh-huh. and then it's, it's a very cute and funny date and then they actually bond and then towards the end of the episode he's like uh, so can I see you again and then the mermaid says um, yeah I'm sorry I just I'm not into white guys it's a, it's actually a, a really really funny uh, kind of story okay. uh, There's also a documentary about uh, Justin Bieber as pop star who sold his soul to the devil. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's that those kind of that, stories. Okay, okay. It's it's delightful and darkly hilarious because Goldwyn's idiosyncratic creativity is uh, quite unparalleled. Uh. But that being said, as with most anthologies, it's quite uneven. Okay. The the premises I described to you were it's more interesting episodes and it's better episodes which deal with some very real social issues in funny ways mm. It's worst episodes, right? Are really really bad la, and a total waste of time. Okay. So on average, it's a five out of ten. Um, of the eight episodes, there are four are worthwhile and four are really bad. Like really bad. Really bad. Like uh, really like, like one like out of no ten. No laughs. Kind. Yeah, one out zero out of ten maybe even. Oh, that's why it's a five la. That's why it's a five. La. Okay. So um the the premises that I can you tell us which episodes are good. Uh, the first four episodes. First four. Yeah, okay. and then I I could tell that they front loaded it with their great episodes, okay. and then the last eight episodes were just rubbish. Should I fuck it lah? Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they just fuck it. The the moment episode was my favorite. Okay. Yeah, it's commentary. It sounds quite fun. It's commentary and racism was really funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's it for this month on genre equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, next month we'll be talking about a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, next month. Uh, is what what are what? you looking forward mo- to the most talking about next month? Yeah, what? The devil, obviously. Oh, for you is that yeah, all? Yeah, season three. For me, uh, hmm, it's tough. Never mind. Let's go. Let's go to ice surface. I'm gonna need things. Well, he say things. That devil also confirmed. He's on next month. Wait, yeah. I'm not around next month. Oh yeah, we're just talking about. Oh no, the end of October. Oh, right, end of October. October, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I saw his reservist in November so he won't be around for the December. Yes, we might have something installed for that. But so yeah, we're yeah, still thinking about it. Oh, I know what I'm looking forward to. What? I'm looking forward to Halloween. Oh, the oh, 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 right. oh the movie. No, right. not the holiday, but yeah, it comes yeah. out around the holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was so oh, confused for a while. Um, Castlevania also coming out. Yes, yes season two. Season yeah. two. Yes. Castlevania. Uh, and myself and Isa would actually uh, recap and review the third season of oh, My Hero right, Academia. Academia. Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why are you forget about me? See, you're not caught up yet, so... Oh, I, yeah, I'm catching up still. Yeah, Um... Will we be in time with the movie? I actually don't know. Halloween? We have to check that. No, 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 no the Hero, Hero Academia, Academia movie. Because uh, it's we, actually out in Japan already. Yeah, but we don't know when it's going to be uploaded. Uh, uh, whether it's going to be. We don't know when we're going to watch it yet. Yeah. It's not our fault. It's, it's, it's in Japan. <laughs> it's in Japan, exactly. Um, a few like small things. I mean, this is not small. Uh, Venom is a huge movie. Uh, but yeah. We don't know how good it's going to be. Yeah, but we, uh, we're watching it anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you guys know how it is. I'm not particularly excited about that. Uh, the last few idea. trailers have been more promising than the mm-hmm. first trailer that's mm-hmm. for sure yeah. uh, you watch it, Big Mouth? yeah Big Mouth is coming out next month oh, oh nice uh, okay. next week. season 3 next week. season 2 sweet oh, yeah. two, two, two. I really yeah. enjoyed Big Mouth about hormone monsters mm. and um, a couple of small things out also I don't know if you guys have time but there is a horror movie right now by Jeremy Sonier who directed Green Room called Hold the Dark oh, uh, starring Jeffrey Wright very very heavy movie very violent movie and not violent in like the upgrade way 
Oh, okay. But just dark lah. Uh, okay. As it started implies. And uh, there's also another movie called Apostle coming out. Ooh, uh, that's awesome. Written and directed by the Reeds, Gareth Edwards. Yes! Oh. Yeah. Mm. Gareth Evans, I'm sorry. Gareth Edwards is a different director. Evans. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it's a... Uh, apparently, he's described it as like hereditary with Kung Fu. Uh, oh, so nice. It's, that it's, sounds great. It's weird lah. There's the Reed type fight sequences. With hereditary... With that type of atmosphere. Okay. I'm down. I'm so, down. So, yeah. It, <laughs> It, it sounds it sounds fun and yeah. it stars uh, Legion's Dance uh, Dance Stevens as well, which I love. Uh, so lots of stuff to talk about next month. There's a horror show on Netflix called The House, The Haunting on of House Hill. I haven't watched that yet. The Haunting of Hill House. Oh my god! When is it coming so out? So difficult. This tongue tongue this. The Haunting of Hill House coming out on October twelfth. Okay. Getting rave reviews. I don't know what the premise is. Never read the book. Never read the reviews. Yep. But I'm gonna go in for an open mind. Okay. Uh, so till next time, this has been Genre Equality 10. This is Hitzer. Mm-hmm. I'm Hadi. I'm Isa. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.